When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which has 401 ways to make a difference in yourself and the world. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about digging deep during hard times. I'm recording these episodes before the election, so I don't yet know the outcome. And honestly, even by the time these episodes air, I still don't think we'll know the outcome. But I do know that we've been whipsawed by the news cycle already for the last four years, And the run-up to the 2016 election wasn't exactly a cakewalk either. Right about now, we've been at it a long time. It's easy to feel exhausted, depleted, maybe even hopeless. I'm recording this episode on the morning after the Senate Republicans confirmed Amy Coney Barrett. Last night, Elizabeth Warren tweeted, Remember that hope isn't given to us. It's created by us. Tonight, I urge you to dig a little deeper to stay in the fight. And that's what this week's episodes are all about, staying in the fight, whether that fight is political or personal, and continuing to create our own hope. Today, I'm talking with Brooke Thomas about how the tough times are an invitation to reconnect both with our bodies and with who we are at our core. Brooke is the creator of two wonderful podcasts, Liberated Being and Bliss and Grit. She's an embodied coach and teacher of the realization process and she runs an online community dedicated to embodied awakening, liberated being. I think of her as your spiritually awake bestie who grounds you, helps you wake up out of whatever illusion you've gotten hooked by, and makes you laugh. And I know she's been through her share of hard times and has developed a practice to both heal from past hard times and to stay supple and grounded during present tough times. I'm really excited to absorb her wisdom. Brooke, it is so great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Kate. It's so good to be here with you. So you're an embodied coach. Can you tell us what you mean by embodied? Sure. It's really the ability to step out of the mind stream, all that we've been taught that we're supposed to be, and all of the thoughts that we have about who we are and what's going to happen, and to connect with our lived truth as it's arriving in a moment. And so that has a lot to do with body, connecting to the body and what it experiences, but it's also more than that too. So it's not just tracking a bunch of sensation. It's also how we're able to be aware and and where we are able to be aware, like how we're relating to ourselves and to other people and to the world. Excellent. And that sounds so good right about now. So what's your story? How did you come to be on this path doing this work? I think like any of us who follow a calling, 
I was b literally born to do this work. So for me, it started from day one. I had a birth injury, and so I grew up with chronic pain and neurological issues. Um, I had trauma in my younger life as well and through my adolescent life and young adult life. And so I had to, to heal. You know, it came to a place, uh, especially particularly in my physical body when I was in college, where it was either really continue down a route of a very miserable life, like being on constant painkillers and constantly at doctor's offices and being really low functioning or find a different way. And so that was the, uh, the breaking point for me. And it has continued, gosh, for a long time now, decades of leading me into a really fulfilling life. Yeah. Right. So I met you at the point on the path when you were a rolfer, so a body worker who specializes in the practice of rolfing, right? You were my rolfer in Brooklyn, New York. And yeah, I did that for 20 years. 20 yeah. years of rolfing. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked a little bit about how you're, you made a transition between being sort of a body nerd. Like at that time, rolfing is a wonderful practice and it helped me so much, but it is really about like focusing on the body to being more of an embodied nerd. And I just, could you talk to us a little bit about like how your calling and your path sort of started at the body and has, how it's evolved to where it is today? Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. And I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by this because I'm not alone here. So many of my colleagues took a similar road unknowingly. It certainly wasn't the plan. So Rolfing um, quote unquote, fixed me. I had significant chronic pain and mobility issues at a very young age. I feel like I was 80 when I was in my early 20s and I got better. And so I became a practitioner and I helped other people feel better in their bodies. And when I started Liberated Being, that began as a podcast called Liberated Body. And I was talking with um, a variety of body nerds, lots of people who engage with the body in many different ways. And I really thought that I was going to talk with all the smartest people out there about the body and figure out like the right way for bodies to feel perfect forever, which is mm -hmm. like sweet and naive. And it really came from my desire for people to not experience the kind of pain and dysfunction that I had and that I was seeing in my clients. And a funny thing happened to me, and I've seen it in so many others, where the more I engage with the body, so beginning by receiving rolfing, manual body work, and then over time doing something like yoga and then doing more natural movement practices. And then along came wanting to do somatic, meaning body or sensation-based meditation. And I just found that the more I cultivated this relationship with my body in whatever way, that it, it <laughs> changed me. And it changed me in profound ways that I discovered that I was not what I thought I was. I was not what I had kind of been programmed to be and that there was a spontaneous trueness in any given moment. Um, and I don't mean that in a perfect way, like you can perfectly stick the landing on every decision or something like that. But I started to have a relationship with something much, much deeper. And it's funny, we are such a disembodied culture that we have to point this out. And it's like pointing at <laughs> something that can't even be perceived because we've been so disembodied for so long. Hundreds of years, really, maybe thousands of years. So it's so simple and yet so not common. We don't encounter it that much. Right. It sounds like it's one of those things that's hiding in plain sight. Right? Very much so. Yeah. 
Well, sometimes it's helpful to talk about what something is by talking about what it's not. Can When you say we live in a disembodied culture, can you give us an example? Yeah, a lot of that comes down to conditioning, you know, and what we have been conditioned to be. And so that happens in families of origin, but it also happens in culture. And conditioning really comes down to what the consensus is around what the good one is and how to be that one. And so it's it's kind of a form, it is a form of brainwashing in terms of how it functions, but I think that its intent is actually more benevolent than that. I think that our ancestors are just passing down like this is how this thing works, like getting by in life and surviving and doing okay. Mm-hmm. And so we pass it down and pass it down. So a common example for women is that the good one is tiny and quiet and subservient and giving. That's a common form of female conditioning. And so if women learn that that's the safest way to be, they're going to unconsciously and in innocence keep passing that down through the lineage. And then we're just kind of running a program almost of what we're meant to be. But maybe we're somebody who's born female and with a lot of embodied sense of agency and power, somebody who wants to start a movement or write a book or just the one who sticks up for their friends on the playground in school and says no and is like good with boundaries. That would go against conditioning, but it's arising from something deeper, what we could call true nature. So true nature is our embodied self. Okay. And what we're not is our conditioning. So I'm just listening to you talk and thinking about the programming that we all have and loving hearing about true nature and how that's different from our programming and the kind of mind chatter that can drive us so crazy. But I can also imagine that realizing that a lot of what we've thought throughout our lives is programming and knowing that there's true nature that sort of lies underneath that, but being sort of in between those two things could be confusing or like you don't know what to latch on to. I don't, could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that relates to hard times. It is confusing if we think we're only programming because then we're trying to take, we're trying to reject one program and put a new one in. And that still comes from that mental disembodied place. And it's actually much, much less confusing. And we don't need to shun our sweet (laughs) conditioned selves who did not choose that conditioning. And they're they're engaging with that unconsciously and in, in innocence. So it's not about crossing a finish line where we're deconditioned, you know, and, and fully embodied, but more that we welcome in, we see it for what it is, and we welcome that part in, and that we're able to be in touch with something that says no to the conditioning. So to use the example that I gave, if we've been taught our whole life that women are supposed to be quiet, dainty, sweet, and subservient, and somebody's expecting us to be that way, and we really dislike this person, and we really do not want to be sweet and subservient to them, and we want to say no, or you're full of shit, or I'm busy, and set a boundary, that comes from not imprinting a new program, right, that I'm going to be like the badass bitch that's always setting boundaries or whatever. That would be (laughs) swinging the pendulum to the opposite of the conditioning. Instead, it would just be noticing and if you know those listening can feel it, there's something in the body that says, no, or like, I don't like this. 
There's something about how we become aware of something other than just, I should act out this conditioning. And it is a practice, you know, so I run an embodied practice community because this is something that we gradually and tenderly and lovingly go through. It's not about racing to cross a new finish line and spiff ourselves up in that way. Mm. So what's the opportunity wrapped up inside hard times? I mean, no one gets through this life without them. And collectively, you know, we're going through some pretty hard times together right now. So where's the hope here? And how does that relate to, you know, how can our being embodied? How does that help? Well, I think hard times is actually what breaks our ability to keep running our conditioning. And I think that we're seeing that in our personal lives with everything that we're going through globally. And we're also seeing it in our cultural lives. And so there's a reason why the pandemic, pulling the emergency break on everyone's lives, everything in the U.S. that we're going through with our government and the election and calls for racial justice and equity, the Me Too movement. Like there's a reason why these things are co-arising and it's because hard times pressurize us. They feel so horrible that we have to get really real. We can't just go through the motions. We can't just keep up the momentum of how we've been taught to be and what we've been taught to ignore and what we've been taught to prioritize because suddenly it's broken. The conditioning can't just effortlessly run anymore. And we say, you know, as in the example I was giving before, where a woman might want to set a boundary, right? We, what do I want to say no to? What do I want to say yes to? What's actually broken here that I was taught was wonderful and actually, it's it's not working. And so I think that it's not um, to bright side it, like, isn't it wonderful <laughs> that we get to go through such a challenging time? It's not wonderful. It's very painful and people are really suffering. But I think that the mm-hmm. potential inside this kind of pressure cooker is that it's going to break a lot of the conditioning that's been passed down through generations and that no longer works for human beings to thrive together. Mm. Amen, (laughs) sister. (laughs) On your podcast, Liberated Body, you always ended each episode with an exercise that you called home play, which I loved, that folks could do to experience the things that your guests had just talked about. So do you have a practical takeaway that my listeners can try to help them feel more embodied during a time when it's very easy to get lost in a swirl of thoughts? I do. And embodiment is essentially an experience. So I always love to do this um, as opposed to talking about it. So it's a little bit like we are training for a marathon right now and we've been doing hill sprints for nine months (laughs) and Mm -hmm. or a year. That's not sustainable. So a practice that we can do to come into presence is to become aware of the present moment through our senses. And this is the rest interval for our nervous system so that we're not just grinding ourselves into the ground with everything that we have to be aware of. So becoming aware of what are you able to see right now and just taking a moment wherever you are of looking around the environment you're in and you can even drop the phrase in internally to yourself, this is what this moment looks like. And just notice that if you're able to slow down enough to notice what this moment looks like, that it is by definition a safe moment. 
And so it's giving our nervous system that information. This is a safe moment. I can rest. I don't have to keep doing this hill sprint just for this moment so I can recover. And we can also use hearing. So what am I able to hear right now? And shifting to that sense. This is what this moment sounds like. And just feeling what that feels like in your body when you slow down enough to drink in the world through your senses like that. Mm, I love it. I'm going to come back and replay this episode. <laughs> you can talk me through it. <laughs> good, good. Anything else you'd like to share with us? No, I think um, just on the, the tales of that home play, you know, giving ourselves permission to, to rest is not bypass. It's actually the ability for us to grow our capacity and to show up and to to be in the the challenging times and to meet this moment. So I'm seeing a lot of people who are overwhelmed and there's this feeling that if they aren't overwhelmed, they're doing something wrong. And we really need to give ourselves the rest interval as well. So I would say, uh, give yourself permission to have that. My dog would like that very much. She's, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear her. She just whined at me. Yeah, dogs are good at that. I think it's Eckhart Tolle calls dogs the guardians of being, which I really appreciate. Oh, They're like, just be. <laughs> yet another reason to love a dog. So for folks who want to connect with you more, where can they find you? So liberatedbeing.community is where the practice community lives. And uh, that is about to expand with some other teachers, which I'm really excited about. Oh. And the podcast is called Liberated Being, and my personal website for coaching is brookthomas.me. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Brooke. Thank you so much. Hi, it's back to me, Kate, again. So Brooke gave us a wonderful tiny assignment that if you didn't do during the interview, I invite you to go and do now. And that is to just sit quietly and see what you can see and then hear what you can hear so that you can bring your attention into where your body is in this moment. Be sure and come back tomorrow when I am talking about how to put more of your attention on what's actually going well in this moment. And I don't mean going well like, oh, I got a new job or I'm making more money than ever or whatever. What I'm talking about is the way that our programming is breaking down and the ways that we're getting to be more authentic thanks to these hard times that we're going through because what we focus on grows. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 